Thank you for joining us for Working Through the Word, a ministry of the Richmond Church of Christ. Let's join our pulpit minister, Mike Johnson, as he brings today's lesson. We all know what it is like in a town, in a city, where some well-known great person announces a visit to that place. Now, you know what begins to happen immediately. Everybody gets on board. The police are in charge of security and they step it up big time. The authorities, the leaders in that city or in that town, they're going to take advantage of this opportunity and they're going to get as many photographs with this leading person as possible because maybe it will help them in the coming election. And so they create all of these events and all of these opportunities to be together. And the people, they get excited. There's a buzz. They might even line the streets. They might be ready. Oh, he's coming. We see him. Just to get a glimpse. And when Jesus announced that he was coming to Jerusalem, what happened? Before we get there, consider with me today this year-long series entitled, Why Did My Savior Come to Earth? And today we consider the concept, the idea, of what he said in the text just read. He came to give his life a ransom for many. Now, a ransom, you know what a ransom is. A ransom is money demanded for freedom. Sadly enough, we hear about it mostly news or movies or something where there has been a kidnapping. And the perpetrator says, if you want this person back, you better pay the ransom. It's the price of freedom. Therefore, if Jesus said that he is coming to pay or to be the ransom, then it is implied that he is coming to pay the price of freedom. And if he's paying the price of freedom, then somebody must be enslaved. And so when Jesus came, he came because there was slavery, because there was bondage, and he came to pay the ransom. Let's think about slavery for a minute. It's not a subject that we would enjoy talking about. It's not something that feels good in our world or maybe especially in the history of our country. And we don't like the idea of slavery. None of us would like to be in that position. And yet, servants, slaves, were a part of the economic system of the Jews. I know it sounds odd, but notice. Leviticus 25 
Starting in verse 39, God, through his law to the Jews, said, I'm going to tell you about slaves. I'm going to tell you what you need to know. Here is what we find out. Number one, it's okay. For someone who is in debt, someone who can't pay their bills, someone who is in real financial difficulty, you can sell yourself to one of your brethren. And in selling yourself to them, you will become a bond servant. They are paying your debt. And then he says, now listen, when one of your brethren sells himself to you, you don't treat him as a slave. Now, when you come to original languages, both in Hebrew and in Greek, there's not a different word. The word for slave in Greek and bondservant, same thing. The word for slave and bondservant in the Old Testament Hebrew, same word, same concept. So what we have to do is understand the context to know what he's talking about. Primarily, he is saying here, if you want to be in a situation to have your debts paid, then you can be sold to this person, and you better treat him right. He's your brother. What if there is someone who's not a Jew living in Palestine? Can you sell yourself to a rich one of them? Yes, you could. God said a Jewish person could even find a rich person, non-Jew, and sell himself there and work in that situation to have his debts paid. But then God said, as for slaves... You can have slaves. You can go to the nations around you, the heathen nations to which I'm sending you. And you can have slaves of all of them. That probably doesn't feel good. Probably makes you wonder what's going on. Before I answer that, he closes this text by saying, and by the way, there is coming the year of Jubilee. Every 50 years, all slaves are released from their debts. It's over. He even says in the previous chapter about the year of Jubilee, now don't you mistreat them. Don't mistreat them knowing that this year is coming and you're going to lose them. And so you mistreat them because of it. He says you better take care of them. So all slaves, whether Jewish or from the heathen nations on the 50th year, released. So what do you think about God saying to the Jewish people? You can have slaves of the nations around you. God sent his people into that land because it's their land, yes. 
But number two, because those heathen nations deserve to be punished. God was giving his punishment on those nations as he brought the children of Israel in and they conquered that land and in doing so were punishing the heathen nations for their awful sinfulness before God. In one way of speaking, as they bought a slave from a heathen nation, they were redeeming that slave or that person from a death sentence. And now they could work and stay alive. And who knows? They could be treated so well by the regulations that God laid out that these heathen people now could see what it is like to be good and right and faithful. And they might even be, decide to be that way themselves. And there is that passage from which we get the song, Pierce my ear, O oh Lord my God. When the debt was paid or when the year of Jubilee rolled around and it was time to release those slaves, what if this person said, I don't want to go. I like it here. He treats me well. This has become my family. I have family. It's now my job. I want to stay. And God said, here's what you do. You take that person to the door of the house or to the doorpost. And you take his ear and pull it out. And you drive an awl through his ear into the door, symbolizing he now belongs to this house by his own choice. Why would any slave get to that point? It would only be possible if the master treated them so well, provided for them so well that they couldn't imagine being anywhere else. Because they had been freed from the penalty either of the debt they owed to someone or of the debt they owed to God, releasing them from the penalty of death to serve in a better life. Now, we have a great example in the New Testament, as you know, of a slave-master relationship. The book of Philemon dedicated to that. If you've not read it in a while, it's a quick read, and it is a really powerful story when you understand what's going on. Because, remember this, there is nothing in Scripture that's just there by chance. It just happened to get in. It was just there, and so they just left it. God put what He put in Scripture for a purpose. I may not always know what it is, but it's there for a purpose. I can surmise what a purpose might be at times. Here's what's going on with Philemon and Onesimus. I know there were more slaves and masters in the world than just those two. 
So there's a reason why this story is there. Onesimus was a slave in need of a ransom. So he hired out himself to Philemon. We notice that from the text. First, Onesimus ran away. And when he had run away, he went to the city of Rome. And I don't know how. God doesn't tell us. We don't know what happened. I just think providence of God working in behalf of him. He met Saul, Paul, who was in prison. And Paul discussed with him about Jesus, baptized him into Christ, and then sent him back to Philemon. And when he sends him back, he said to Philemon, I would like to keep him, but I want you to agree. I've sent him back. If he owes you anything, if he's harmed you in any way, if he has a debt needing to be paid, Paul said, I'll pay it. I'll pay it because I want to ransom him. I want to free him from his debt. But I want you to notice what happened. And in noticing what happened, understand why the book was written. Apparently, Paul paid his debt. We find in the book of Colossians that Paul sent Onesimus to the city of Colossae. Because Onesimus now was working with Paul in his ministry. What had Paul done? He paid his debt to Philemon. And Onesimus then was freed. But he wasn't free to roam the city and create chaos. He was freed from Philemon to be a minister with Paul, having been freed from the debt of sin to be a slave to Jesus Christ. That's why that story is there. It is a perfect example and illustration of our point today. Because each one of us is or was a slave in need of ransom. Everyone. We needed somebody to pay our debt. Now go back to Jesus' announcement that he's going to Jerusalem. The story before us in Mark 10 preceded his time going into Jerusalem, maybe by just a little while. So what happened? Well, he went into the city and things started out pretty good, didn't they? The people lined the city and threw down palm branches on the ground for him to ride over. And they were pronouncing that he is the king. And one guy just wanted to get a picture of him, just a sight. Let me see him. And Zacchaeus climbed a tree just to be able to see him. But five days later, 
is on a cross. Because the authorities, they didn't want to have a picture with him. They didn't want to be in his presence. He was not an advantage to their political future. The security provided by the Roman government didn't do anything. They just did what the people wanted them to do. And on Friday, he was crucified. But that's why he went there. That's why he was there. It wasn't or shouldn't have been a surprise. When Zechariah, who was the father of John the baptizer, heard about Jesus about to be born, his own son now born, God released his mouth to be able to talk God had made him mute throughout the entire pregnancy. And as he opened his mouth, his words were, God has visited and redeemed his people. And he hadn't even done it yet. But by prophecy, Zechariah saw it. The prophetess Anna In Luke chapter 2, who lived in the temple as a widow lady, married only seven years before her husband died, she lived singly in that temple where Simeon also was a prophet of God and a priest. And when he prophesied about Jesus, the Bible says of Anna that she spoke to everyone who looked for redemption in Jerusalem, telling them about Jesus. On Sunday, after Jesus died and was resurrected, there were two men walking outside the city and they were having a conversation and a third man joined them and the conversation went this way we had hoped that this man who was just killed would have been the redemption of Israel and when you finish the story you realize the third man was Jesus and eventually, it dawned on them who he was. The Jewish people, for centuries, had been looking for their Redeemer. And there he was. But they killed him. I wonder why. I think it's simple. Because he was not what they wanted in a redeemer. They wanted a physical king who would raise an army and get the Romans out of their land. 
And they wanted a king who would make them great in the world as a people like David had done. But that wasn't Jesus. Some of his last words to Pilate were, if my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight. But now my kingdom is not from here. John 19. So they rejected him. But he had to do it. Nobody else could do it. Seeing as you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver and gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Jesus, a lamb without blemish and without spot, 1 Peter 1, 18 and 20, 18 to 19. Jesus had to do it. He was without blemish. He was without spot. No other person could. Then listen to these words of Hebrews 9. But Christ came as the priest of good things to come, with the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is, not of this creation, not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood he entered the most holy place once for all, having obtained redemption. For if the blood of bulls and goats could take away sin, and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctifies the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ through the eternal spirit cleanse your conscience to serve the living God? When Paul ransomed Onesimus, he was not free to do whatever he wanted to do. For he had learned about Jesus through Paul. And I think it is obvious that he felt a debt to Paul for teaching him and to Jesus for forgiving him. He was moved from one relationship of slavery to another one. To the from the oppressive one that was real bondage to one that was real freedom. Because as Titus said in chapter 2, or Paul said to Titus in chapter 2 and verse 14, He gave Himself for us that He might cleanse us from every lawless deed and purify for Himself His own special people, zealous for good works. Why did my Savior come to earth? To ransom me from slavery to sin into willful slavery to the one who made eternal life possible. The bondservant sold himself 
to the person to pay the debt. And every person today who has freely sold himself or herself into bondage with Satan also has the opportunity freely to sell yourself to Jesus where bondage is finished, where life resides, where eternity exists. Remember this, the debt, the debt was not overlooked. It was paid. So either because of my sin, I have to die to pay it, or I had to be ransomed. So Hebrews 2 tells me that Jesus tasted death for every single person. I don't have to die anymore. He did it. I've been ransomed. Why then would I not freely serve the one who died for me? My Savior came for me. Your Savior came for you. If you are not His, I can't think of a better day to decide to be. Immersed in His blood, in the waters of baptism, that ransom bill is paid for you. And if you need us in some way to help you spiritually, that's what he's here for, what we're here for. Our shepherds will be at the front as we stand and sing together. We hope you enjoyed today's broadcast brought to you by the Richmond Church of Christ. We are located at 1500 Lancaster Road in Richmond, Kentucky. We meet on Sunday mornings for Bible class at 9 a.m., followed by our morning worship service held at 10 a.m. Our Sunday evening service is held at 6 p.m., and our midweek Bible study is held on Wednesday at 7 p.m. If you are in the area, we would love to have you as our honored guest. Thanks for listening.